I needed like something to decompress after today. I've got no idea what today in baseball news was with the Arson Judge signing with the Giants and then Aaron Judge signing with the Giants and then Aaron Judge not signing with the Giants and then Cody Bellinger signing with the Cubs and then Andrew Heaney with the Rangers and then Josh Bell with the Guardians and oh, by the way, Major League Baseball Pro, one of the top 15 fastest growing companies in the United States, Con, they checked in behind a cream cheese and right behind Google Sheets. Just Baseball Show, Wednesday, December 7th, Jack, Peter, Jack in Indy with a glass of red wine because I need to wind down. Peter in San Diego getting his first taste of the winter meetings. And the way that I've heard the winter meetings described to me is um, like baseball heaven when you need it. Um, Like I've heard from so many people in large part because of the minor league job fair. It's like, oh, you got to go to the winter meetings. You got to go to the winter meetings. Um, There was no minor league job fair this year, but still I've heard that the winter meetings just as a fan is exceptional. So before we get any farther, how's your time at the winter meetings, Peter? Well, I'm enjoying a little coffee from the hotel. Um, but the overall winter meetings, it is such a blast. And you were so right, too, because if there are, I mean, the lobby is packed. There's multiple floors of the hotel, and you're constantly running into personalities like John Morosi or John Heyman or Jason Stark or um, Jeff Passan. Like every, and then MLB Network does their shooting there and a bunch of other shows. You see John Boy, you see Foolish Baseball, a lot of guys like that. Everyone is there. So they're, uh, I'll just for round number sake, let's say there's a thousand people there, which it seems like there's much more for, but Gotta to more, make it yeah. easy, I, I would say 50 people there who are at least walking around the lobby matter. I would say another a hundred people who kind of matter. Maybe they don't matter in terms of specific deals, but maybe they're, they're working or helping other personalities or other reporters with their job. Or for example, there's, you know, clubbies, there's different people work with the team. And then I would say around 80% of the people there are either fans or they're just to kind of soak in all the action. And it's just a really exciting atmosphere. And there's an energy there that is infectious. And it feels like you're at the center of all baseball news. Like when we got the arson judge story, we were right there. And that's honestly, I was kind of to blame for that. So yeah. John Heyman, he's, uh, he's sitting there and um, I run up to him and I, I say, Hey, it's Peter from TikTok. You know, I'm probably one of the most important people here. And I was like, Did you hear about arson? Right. And he's like, No, what happened to arson? And I was like, He's going to the Giants. And he yeah. tweeted it. And it was mostly because of me from TikTok. So I'm yeah. telling people to kind of get out of the way. I'm from TikTok, you know? That's a, yeah. So that's a good thing. Peter from TikTok. Um, <laughs> what am I, Jack from Spotify? No, I think you're still Jack from TikTok too. You you undervalue your presence on TikTok. Jeez. All right. That's fine. I'm trying to expand my portfolio a little bit, Chief. Um, I, I've heard the winter meetings are, are a little bit like 
radio row at the Super Bowl where you've constantly got stuff going on. So so when you have something like Arson Judge break, everybody is in tune with the same exact thing. And I love the point that you make about this being the center of the baseball world right now, because it is. It's the center of the baseball universe. Like you had a mad scrum for Scott Boris today in front of his Boris Corp backdrop dropping these shitty analogies about every single one of his free agents. And then he's got Cody Bellinger coming off the board on a one-year $17.5 million deal for the Cubs. This is where baseball stuff has happened. And what we've dealt with the last two months or so, actually the last month since the World Series ended, was was kind of a dud. Like there wasn't much going on. It started on Friday night with DeGrom. And now it's really picking up steam because I think everybody's in the same place, including Peter from TikTok. Yeah, exactly. And and it's, you know, Scott Boris is creating riddles when he's talking. So you basically have no idea what he's saying. Um, but I thought um, one of the cooler interviews I was around for was, um, I think his name is Joel Wolf. He's the agent for Kodai Senga. Yeah. And there was a mad dash to hear what he was saying. And he was talking about there's, multiple multiple year contract deals on the table for Kodai Senga and he was being you know very transparent you know obviously he wasn't giving away the exact teams but he said between six to 12 teams are interested in Kodai Senga he was actually giving us tangible words that people who speak English could understand while Scott Boris was giving us riddles and hoping people could uncover what he was saying but at the end of the day you couldn't read between the lines because he wasn't giving you anything yeah. So Wolf said earlier today that um, Kodai Senga has received five and six year offers, which I, I think speaks to the pitcher market. And we'll, we'll talk about Senga at the end. I actually want to like backlog that because I, I want to start with the biggest news, which was the news that wasn't right. Aaron Judge to San Francisco. We heard, I think this morning, like late morning, early afternoon Eastern, which means early morning uh, Pacific where you are with the winter meetings being in San Diego, that Judge received a $360 million contract offer from San Francisco. How do you say no to that? So then around 5 Eastern, John Heyman says Arson Judge is going to San Francisco, like understandably so. And then all of a sudden it doesn't. So, yeah, like major screw up from Heyman, but he wouldn't report that without it being really close to a done deal. What do you set the odds at that he signs with San Francisco at this very moment? I still think it's 50-50. I think that the most, yeah, I think that the most interesting report that has come out that I just, it's hard for me to believe is that the Yankees might not have an opportunity to counter the offer from San Francisco. That's why I feel like the judge to the Giants is getting so much steam, and it could realistically happen. I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I thought that this was an interesting tweet I wrote about a lot of the rumors that I was hearing at the winter meetings from Jim Bowden. Um, And I quote, in my opinion only, the leaking of the $360 million offer from the Giants to Aaron Judge was done so the Yankees have a clear understanding of where they have to go to keep him. And if Turner was offered $342 million, then a 10-year deal at $375 million is probably in the range of what Judge signs for. I do think that these two teams have separated themselves. Like I don't know if the Dodgers are that third team that is still 
in the hunt. So it is between the Yankees and the Giants. I still think it's 50-50 at this current moment. I, I don't think that he truly knows. I think he's, like he said, $360 million. We're assuming over nine years. I think if the Yankees are able to counter that for more money, I do think that there's still a strong possibility. Like even from John Heyman, he, you know, I mean, John Heyman is still John Heyman. Like people make mistakes and I know it's funny to just like bag on the guy, but we can't forget like Ken Rosenthal has made mistakes before there have been Bob Nightingale has made mistakes before, but these guys are just plugged in. And Heyman says that the assumption belief and I'm quoting here among rivals is that the Yankees remain favorites and the Yankees are hopeful, but say they still don't know. And that was um, reiterated by Aaron Boone and even Brian Cashman, when Aaron Boone was asked about him, said Brian Cashman said nothing, nothing yet. I think they're just waiting on Judge um, because we saw judges flying from across the country. We saw him in Tampa Bay, and uh, now he's supposed to be flying in in San Diego. I'm here. I haven't seen him yet. Um, but I think a decision could be made even during this podcast that we're doing right now. But like I said, I think it's 50-50. I don't think there's a clear, clear favorite right now. I don't know. How do you read it? Um, I read it in a different way. And, you know, if anybody's going to see Aaron Judge when he lands, it's going to be you because chances are he's staying at the same comfort suites as you, right? <laughs> I agree. Yes. Well, I did see him in the lobby, but I was told not to say anything. Guys, you just added me. Okay, fair. Um, Yeah, I, I read it like 95.5 that he's a San Francisco giant, to be totally honest. Really? Um, yeah, I did. And like, I, I think your reasoning is spoken like a true Yankee fan. Um, I just... <laughs> That's on fair did 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 my reasoning not make sense though it did make is it sense. me being optimistic i think it is you being optimistic i i think the answer can be yes to both of those questions and the reason i say yes to you being optimistic is because i really don't think that a guy like Heyman is reporting that if it's not really 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 close so i'm not saying it's 99-1 i'm saying it's 95-5 it really sounds like san francisco is willing to put together a better offer than the Yankees are. Um, because if the Yankees were willing to put together the best offer on the market, Aaron Judge would be a Yankee. Now, the other aspect of this that I think a lot of people have ignored, um, you know, obviously, like, the money is going to be crazy in San Francisco. But the, the thing that was, you know, spoken about at the beginning of the free agent cycle, and a, as soon as San Francisco came up, like their name, their team came up in the Aaron Judge sweepstakes was, well, he's a Sacramento guy. He's from a suburb of Sacramento in Linden. He went to Fresno State. Like he is a NorCal dude. Um, and this is a chance to come home in a massive payday. I, I think that a lot of people are just like totally ignoring the fact that Aaron Judge might just want to go home. Um, kind of same thing with the yeah. Xander Bogarts thing. Like I think the Cubs and Xander Bogarts make a lot of sense i saw a clip and i i will find it and i'll attribute who resurfaced the video but xander bogarts i watched a clip today of him talking about how he grew up watching the cubs on wgn and cited watching Derek lee and aramis ramirez and mark Pryor and carrie wood and giovanni soto like there's something to be said about these guys fulfilling the human wants and needs that they still have like on on judges chase for maris his mom was there the whole time I, I tweeted it out like it's an hour 37 minutes from Linden, California to Oracle Park. It's a six hour flight from San Francisco to JFK. 
things are easier for judge and judge's family if he's in San Francisco. And that's the part that I feel like is getting lost. Yeah. And things were easier for Kevin Durant going to the Wizards. But uh, it's like I like I think that that there is some merit to that. And I think the Giants are putting a competitive offer on the table and saying, what do you want to do? At the end of the day, if the Yankees come to the table and give him 10 years for 400 and the Giants are at nine years for 360, I'm sure he'll reconsider. There's a difference between DeGrom taking five years, 185 from the Texas Rangers, where there's no real taxes, San Francisco and New York. There's not really much of a difference there in taxes. Um, I mean, Trey Turner not taking the deal in San Diego for $342 million, What are the difference in taxes between Philadelphia and San Diego? Like there is no difference there in San Francisco. So that's why I think it's still 50-50. I think it's going to be the team who comes in with the biggest bag. And I still do think that the Yankees, you can tell from the way Brian Cashman is talking, they don't really seem to have a plan B. It is, they are waiting on Aaron Judge. You know, the Yankees have been in on Carlos Rodon. That's what Scott Boris, he read us a riddle about that. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but okay, I guess they're in on him. Maybe they're not, couldn't tell. But it does seem like the Yankees, all they are talking about and all that seems to be surrounding them is Aaron Judge. So I find it hard to believe that it's 95-5 because to your point, if it was so close, we're recording about two hours after that tweet went out, nothing is done yet. Like if it was so close and it was like, oh, I just jumped the gun, wouldn't he be a giant right now? He, But he's not. That's not, that's my thinking. That's why I still think it's 50-50. I'm not saying the Yankees, it's 80-20 Yankees. I'm just right. saying it's, I think it's completely up in the air. I think it's, you flip a coin at this point. I think it's whoever comes in with the most money. And I know that the Yankees are prepared to give him a bag. It's not like they have a cap. I think they'd give him 400 million if they had to, but we'll I, see. See, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I think so. All Maybe right. I'm being optimistic, but from all the energy coming out of there, it's that this is their number one free agent and at the end of the day they are the new york yankees and they also said that they would not be outbid for aaron judge so if they're true to that word they will not be outbid by aaron judge and they are the new york yankees yeah I, if I they think, do they do i think they're gonna get outbid for aaron judge i i do think no, so. I mean, they might it but was I, uh i think 95 was... 5 is no way all right man um uh, I got the Xander Bogarts Cubs thing from from at Dinger Cubs. Dinger's a Chicago Cubs podcast. So shout out Dinger's a Chicago Cubs podcast for resurfacing that yesterday. Um, but yeah, like my final thing on on Judge is I think we're going to have a decision tomorrow or today. This is coming out on, on the 7th on Wednesday. I do think that we're going to have a decision today uh, because of how quickly that news got out and was refuted. Um, I, I don't think that we're going to have a courting process. And I know that the Dodgers apparently, um, you know, have interest in in conversing with Judge, I guess. Um, but I don't like I don't think they're going to have time. I, I think it's I think it, I almost think it's 100 zero that Judge signs with the Giants or Yankees versus the field. I really don't think that there's going to be this mystery team coming in. I like that you I brought agree. up Rodon because, yes, Rodon has been. Um, a, a focus for the Yankees, but it, I think Baltimore kind of makes sense here, right? Oh, but yeah, it's just the only problem is I haven't heard anything from Baltimore. The two most active teams, or I guess three, would be the Yankees and the Giants and the Cubs. Like the Cubs is all anybody's talking 
about. They're interested in potentially two shortstops. Um, and that's been reported by multiple sources um, that they could be given themselves kind of the Texas Rangers solution. You sign Marcus Semien, you sign Corey Seager. I know that they're in on, they met with Correa. They, they're meeting with Dansby. They're meeting with Bogarts. They'd be willing to spend on two of those, possibly move Nico Horner to center field or move him to second base or third base. They think um, that he can be kind of a utility guy. But all I'm hearing is how active the Cubs are. It's the one team like the arson judge story kind of really took over the winter meetings and right. it put the Yankees and the Giants into the spotlight. But everything else, like before that happened, it was all Cubs. And it was honestly really, really exciting. They seemed to be at least the most active on most fronts. That's all anybody was talking about. Yeah, so I don't think that they're going to sign two shortstops now. Um, and if Cody Bellinger prohibits them from signing two shortstops, that's a massive problem. Um, I, I don't think that he is going to prohibit them. Horner could play center field. I think that they want Nico Horner to play second base for them. And, and they'll piece it together at third uh, probably a, a timeshare of wisdom and morale. Um, but I do believe that they're going to go and get a superstar shortstop. I do. And it's obviously not Trey Turner. Um, Aram and I talked about the Trey Turner deal yesterday. We also talked about the Verlander and the DeGrom deal. But um, yeah, I, I love that the Cubs are being active here. And I think that the window lines up better for a Correa than it does a Bogarts and a Swanson. Um just because Correa, like you're going to give him at least 10 years. Hey, hell, if Trey Turner just got 11, you might have to give Correa at least 12. So we yeah. could be looking at a mega bag for Carlos Correa. And with with the Cubs system, with how it's coming along, that timeline makes a lot of sense for the Cubs. So now more than ever, I, I really believe in, in the Cubs and the Carlos Correa marriage. I do too. And I also think it could be, that's why I think this has a lot of legs. I think it could be Correa and Bogarts. And the reason why I think it could be Bogarts and not Swanson is because if they are going to sign two shortstops, we've said it on those podcasts a number of times, how much longer is Xander going to be playing shortstop? Because the glove just isn't that good. And a lot of these defensive metrics that pointed to a pretty solid season were a lot about the shift right you know all of his outs above average they were either at second base or position at third base they weren't exactly positioned at shortstop and now with the banning of the shift how much longer is Bogart's going to play short and we've talked about how wisdom just I mean I don't I don't know how the Cubs can continue to play Patrick wisdom there if striking out 40 percent and the only thing he's really doing is hitting for power imagine putting Bogart's at third and Cray at short and Nico Horner at second I mean, that is an electric infield, especially with Matt Murphis coming up to play first base. That does make a lot of sense to me, considering that the third base free agency pool is not there. And this is the Chicago Cubs. Like, we forget that this is one of the big market teams in Major League Baseball. They have the money. They make so much money on a year-to-year -year basis. Even when they're losing 110 games, People go to Wrigley Field. People hang out in Wrigleyville. Like they have the money to do this. And that's why I'm very excited for the Cubs at this point because I'm telling you, man, everyone is talking about the Cubs at this place. It's like the only team I hear about. I'm like, what about the Yankees? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. all Cubs. And, and it could, it could result in the only someone of, but I think that's exciting for Cubs fans to think about is that, well, we're probably going to get one of these guys and we 
definitely have the possibility of two. That's been reported by multiple sources, and it's all anyone's talking about. Yes. So I love that as a native Chicagoan. I love the Cubs are the talk of the town uh, because obviously the White Sox have zero interest in being the talk of the town, even though apparently teams are calling on Liam Hendricks and the White Sox are listening. And I think they should listen because that is, you know, still one of the best relievers in baseball. And you got to listen whenever somebody wants to call about a reliever because we know how volatile that position is. Uh, But I like that the Cubs are being active here because Chicago deserves baseball that matters. Um, I love that. And uh, John Shambi, Boog Shambi, who does, you know, obviously exceptional work. um, He, when he took the Cubs TV job, he said, um, I wanted to be somewhere that baseball matters and baseball matters on the North side of Chicago. And I thought that was beautifully, beautifully set because it does. People live and die by Cubs baseball. I mean, the, the, the videos that I saw, of people sitting next to their parents' graves listening to the 2016 World Series was bone-chilling because it's it's beautiful. And you think that, oh, it's just a game. How can it matter? Guess what? To Cubs fans, to diehard Cubs fans, this shit matters. And when they put themselves in a position to succeed, they run with it because they have millions of people latch on and fall in love all over again. And if they have a big off season, this has the chance to be such an anticipated opening day. Like you can count on one hand, the number of opening days as anticipated or more since they won that world series in 1908. I mean, the buzz with them is a beautiful thing and someone needed it in the city. And I'm glad that it's, you know, big brother as opposed to little brother, because the Cubs are, I mean, like it or not, White Sox fans, the Cubs are what stirs the drink in Chicago baseball wise. They are. Yeah. And and I love that they are the active ones. I, yeah. And they are active, but at the end of the day, like they just signed Bellinger. We'll see. Like it's, you know, this is just rumors, right? This is not facts until we get a tweet from Passon, right? Uh, we already saw that firsthand. Like these are these are rumors. This is not confirmed. I know that they're in on them, but a team could get cold feet. Like you never know. Yeah. Um, that's all I've heard. Again, we're recording every day. Next day, I'll tell you what I hear on the next day. But as of right now, it's all Cubs. And this story about them wanting multiple shortstops, like I can't. I can't emphasize enough of how many people are talking about this being factual, but we'll see. Again, it is a rumor until it is a fact. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, all right, Andrew Heaney, two years in an opt out with the Texas Rangers. Apparently, Heaney had deals on the table for like three and four. He had three year deals on deals on the table. He said that he wanted longer than that, and then he signs a two year deal with an opt out. Um, good for Andrew Heaney. He got some cashola and he also is going to a place with no state income tax, but, uh, that was kind of weird that Heaney took the shorter deal. I don't blame him because I was, I was texting with, um, actually a guest on this podcast a little bit later this week, Taylor Davis, uh, fun announcement coming on that front. But, um, I, I was texting with Taylor Davis and, you know, he said it's very easy for a player to buy into a winning situation, a situation where they're going for it and they're in win now mode. And what Andrew Heaney just signed up for was a team that is willing to spend in order to fast track win now mode. So 
I, I think that's big. I think it is big, and I understand what you're saying about I think he had multi-year offers on the table, but I think the Rangers were pretty smart in the way that they do it. So the it's two years, 25, 27-ish million, um, but it could get to 40 million with, with incentives, and he could also opt out after 2023. Like Keeney was dealing with a lot of injuries last year, but we can't forget this guy had like a 35% strikeout rate. He was kind of electric with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Like if he can put together a really, really strong year, like let's say he throws 170 innings and those numbers continue to translate, like he could opt out and also get a back. Like he's 31 years old. If he dominates like he kind of did last year in a limited sample, he could end up getting a four or five year deal. Uh, But if he doesn't, He's still got a pretty solid deal. And to your point about the taxes in Texas, like I think that's big for some of these guys. So I think the deal for both sides was pretty smart. Heaney's betting on himself, but almost hedging in a way. And the Rangers, it's not that expensive, but if he's dominant, you pay him what he's worth. I thought it was a pretty good deal all around. And I'm glad he goes to a spot in Texas where, you know, they need pitching. And now that their rotation, if Heaney can stay healthy, it's not too bad. Like he was getting shit talked a lot and for good reason. Cause a lot of people remember the missiles he was giving up with the Yankees, but go look at his stats with the, uh, with the Dodgers. He was, he was very good. Didn't um, he, didn't he start? So I think it's a good deal. Dreams game? No start the field. Oh, you're talking about with the Yankees. Yeah. With the Yankees. Oh yeah. 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 I thought you were talking about the Cubs reds. Yeah. Yeah. He did. No, it was just a, it was just a mess. I don't actually consider Cubs reds, the field of dreams game. I just consider <laughs> Yankees white Sox a field of dreams game. Cause it was just so much better. Yeah. No, I agree. It uh, was so much better. Yeah. It I was mean, so he, much better. Heaney sucked and then he didn't suck. He was good this year. Um, does so you say if Heaney can stay healthy, I counter with can DeGrom stay healthy, but yeah. that's not the question I have for you. The question I have for you is DeGrom, John Gray, Heaney, Martin Dane, Perez, Martin Perez, and Dunning, Glenn yeah, Otto, Glenn Odorizzi, Otto. Jake Odorizzi will be the five. Like that is a top blank rotation. 20. No, it's better than that. When you have Jacob deGrom in it, and Martin Perez was really good last year, and John Gray is at least solid-ish. Heaney, I mean, he had a 3-1-0 ERA last year with 110 strikeouts and 72 and two-thirds innings. Like, you know the Dodgers, they figured something out about that slider. Um, Slider looked much better, threw way more. Like, in 2021, he threw his slider 0.9% of the time. In 2022, he threw it 32.4%. He figured something out. Yeah. Um, and it's just about staying healthy for Heaney because it's tight. It's I think it's hard to see the ball out of his hand, has some zip on it. Um, and I think they just paired it with a better second offering instead of that curveball that or mostly the changeup. I mean, they basically just said you you ain't throwing that changeup anymore. You're throwing exclusively to righties and opponents at 375 off the changeup. Like he's mostly fastball slider, and it works. Yeah. Like that is that is an the upper echelon, I think, of rotations. Now, is it top five? No. Is it top 10? Probably not. Is it definitely in the top 15? I think so. And that offense is good. Like, And they're still going to be active, too. That's another team, the Rangers, making a lot of noise here. A lot of people talking about the Rangers being super, super active even after signing DeGrom. 
Yeah, I, the reports earlier were that the Rangers were expected to meet with Carlos Rodon, right? Or they have met with Carlos Rodon. Uh, Ken Rosenthal said that, I think. Exactly. Um, so we'll see if if the Heaney signing takes them out of the Rodon sweepstakes because that's two left-handed arms and you already have Martin Perez. But if Carlos Rodon is there for the taking, I would not avoid offering Carlos Rodon a deal if you have the financial means. Um, naturally the biggest deal yeah, no, was Vin- Vince Velasquez and a one-year deal to Pittsburgh. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah. How about something that just came across the desk and maybe it'll change the Aaron judge sweepstakes. Mitch Hanniger has agreed to a three-year deal worth $43.5 million with the San Francisco giants. I don't think that changes anything. They had multiple spots that they needed to fill. Maybe, but you know, they brought back jock. Um, and now they're signing Mitch Haniger. We'll see. Yeah, I think they're still going to be in play for Judge. I definitely still so. in play. I'm just uh, that definitely doesn't make me think. Oh yeah, they're definitely now getting Judge. It's not like the Yankees just signed Mitch Haniger. If the Yankees signed Mitch Haniger, how would you feel? If the Yankees signed Mitch Haniger, yeah, shit, you're right. Double standard on my part. My bad. I'll tap my chest yeah. on that one. I feel like you're being mean because I'm am. optimistic. You're what being mean? The, the Yankees were gonna. Um, the Yankees apparently are gonna meet with uh, Brandon Nimmo, according to Heyman. Is that true? Yeah, dude, I don't want Nimmo. Yeah, you do. Like, Nimmo's so good. You need a center no, I wouldn't. No, well, no, we don't. We have Harrison Bader. Bader, yeah. We need a left fielder. Yeah, and Nimmo can play. You're left. just being mean. Sorry, you're trying uh, to bag on me for being hey, optimistic the- when I am being. I'm being a good reporter right now. I am. I'm standing so, on it. I'm being that. a good reporter. I, I was thinking about like expedited shipping you like a, a scoops hat, like a, a fedora with a newspaper sticking out of it and like a, a tux, <laughs> like a 1920s tux, because I think you do need to be like Scoopsy McGee, Peter Apple. Just um, look like Cotty Mac walking through the hallway. Yeah, I think so. Or like, I think you need to look like you write for some sort of chronicle in the 1930s. Like you're trying to crack the case. And that's what I think that just baseball's plan should be moving forward in the winter meetings. Every time we send one mole to the winter meetings, just dressed up as like a total gag reporter. And and we see what people say. Per Ken Rosenthal, Giants from beginning have wanted two outfielders, Mitch Hanniger and Aaron Judge. There we go. And they're going to make it happen. I do think. Uh, How about the Guardians signing Josh Bell? Yeah. I actually thought he was going to go to the Twins because Luis Arise, his uh, name has been in trade talks a ton because um, I don't think Luis Arise wants to play first base. So I kind of thought that they would trade Arise and and sign Josh Bell, but the Guardians swooped in and and did it. Um, And I I thought it was kind of interesting. Not to say that I don't – I like the signing. Like I think Josh Bell is a good player, and I think he – he matches up well with the Guardians, and he's kind of exactly what the Guardians like, right? These contact-oriented guys that don't strike out – and it seems like Josh Bell's a great guy on top of it. Seems will fit very well. I'm just curious what they're going to do with Josh Naylor. They must not want to put Naylor at first, or they're going to be swapping DH. I'm not exactly what they're going to do on that front. But overall, like I love the fit for the Guardians. I was just kind of surprised that it was the Guardians. I right? love, yeah, I, I'm not surprised because I, I love the fit too. Like, and that feels like a deal yeah. that is feasible for Cleveland and Josh Bell is a guy that has Uber pop. The guardians were missing Uber pop. So you have the chance to go get that in free agency 
and a veteran presence, right? They weren't going to trade for another young power bat that needs to prove themselves because one through nine in the lineup during the postseason, except for Jose Ramirez. Okay, one uh, uh, one through two and then four through nine uh, were all young guys that are really trying to validate their careers and validate who they are as players. They don't need to do that anymore. They no, prove right. that they can get to the American League Division Series with a young group. So what do you do? You add vets. And they added a really good vet here and a guy that can provide some middle-of-the-order pop, which they didn't have. They had no power in that lineup. When you have that many guys that are bat-to-ball oriented and you slap one power bat in the middle of them, this lineup and, and the vision, the identity of this lineup, changes entirely and i love that they went and got an identity changer for this lineup the thing is the only thing that i'll come back to you on is like is he really an identity changer i feel like he's right up their alley like he had 17 home runs last year this guy is not like this while he looks like an enormous power bat because he is six foot four 260 pounds he, you know, he hit 17 home runs last year. Like he's a guy who has hit 37 home runs before, but it seems like he's really bought into the getting on base and putting the ball in play. Um, and I also think that there's a possibility that let's say Josh Bell has a really, really good first half. I wouldn't be surprised if they flipped him for prospects or for something else to help them down the line. Like, I think that's why the more I think about it, the more I like the fit because you know, if Josh Bell does really well for them, adds another layer to their lineup, they keep him and he does really well, or they flip him at the deadline. I think it's a it's an interesting and nice move for the Guardians. But I would the only thing I agreed with everything you said, except for the fact that I don't think that you didn't just get a 35 home run guy. You got a 17 home run guy. Uh, so I don't think that he adds like this incredibly new layer. While he does add power, it's not the level of power that you'd expect from a six foot four. 260 pound gargantuan man. I think that you got a 17 homer guy that could be a 35 homer guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's been it before. I agree. Yeah, maybe they unlock something else and they're like, hey, you can put the ball in play and hit home runs. Like he we're gonna was, we're gonna show you. Was, yeah. You don't know. 143 games in 2019. He was 37 doubles, 37 pumps. He slugged 569. 2021, 144 games. 24 doubles, 27 pumps, slugged 476. In 22, the slug was down. You mentioned 17 homers, but he did have 29 doubles. I yeah. like the doubles and homers. I like that he can just accumulate those, and I think that's a win. Um, just a couple rapid-fire things here to close. I, coming back to the Kodai Senga thing, I do want to talk about that. Joel Wolf, his agent, said that there are multiple five- and six-year deals on the table for Senga, how close to a Carlos Rodon deal do you think Senga signs? Because Rodon could very well be looking at five for one fifty. Bro, I think Rodon's going to get a bag, a bag. Like I would not be surprised to see him close to 180, 200 million. I wouldn't. <sighs> I think like, like, especially after DeGrom got that level, like Rodon is 29 and he has now put together, I mean, in 2021, he was excellent. And the only reason that he didn't get a huge bag is because people were concerned about his injuries, but then he put together a season throwing a ton of innings. 
Like he is one of the premier left-handed starters. He's a guy that you can give the ball in game one and say, go get us a victory. Wouldn't you agree? Like if Carlos Rodon is throwing game one of a playoff series, you have a chance to win against everyone. Like that's not what I think the market appears to be on Kodai Senga. I think Kodai Senga has looked at more of a, like a pretty solid two, maybe a very strong three. And like the Mets, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Padres, and the Rangers, they're all in on him. But Joe Wolf said that Kodai Senga wants to join a team that wants to win and that he wants a team that's, you know, analytically driven and can help him unlock things. Um, so I think Rodon, especially after Verlander got 43.3 million, especially after DeGrom got $37 million, even with injury concerns, like I think we're getting exposed to a market that no one really thought was possible. Like I've heard crazy numbers for Bogarts near 180 to 200 million. Like Dansby getting close to that. Like I think Rodon is going to get way more money than we think. And to be honest, compared to the market, I think he deserves it. I think he's a dog. There's a reason I wanted to put him in the top 10 starting pitchers. When he's on, I think that fastball slider combination is as good as anybody in baseball. And especially coming from the left side, this dude is a train engine. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't like so many of the complaints with Rodon were refuted this year, and that's very exciting. I'm with you. Like it may seem like a crazy, crazy amount to give to a guy that has put together like one full season in his career, but that's what the market is. And you know, yeah. you, you can view it as overpaying. At a certain point, we have to shift our our thought process and just say that it's paying. It's not overpaying. And I think that's kind of where we're at with Carlos Rodon. So when we see five for 150 come across the table and it's, you know, 30 AAV and you're paying him into his mid thirties, that's something that you need to not be shocked by. Kind of same thing with Sanga, right? Sanga's 29 years old. You're going to be paying a 34 year old. I bet north of 20 AAV. I, I do think that we're looking at a five-year, hundred-plus million-dollar deal. I think that Sanga could sign the identical Ray Gosman deal, right? Five for one ten. I think that makes a lot of sense. I agree. I, I agree, and I don't think it means like um, executives believe that Sanga is as good as those two guys. But that's what I the market is. With yeah, with the collective bargaining agreement now that it's signed, I think a lot of teams are much more confident um, that there's going to be money available. Like, and just going back to Rodon for a second. I mean, Jack, like this guy had a 2370 RA in 2021. Yeah. I know it wasn't through like a ton of innings, but he struck out near 35% of batters. Then the next year, he throws 178 innings, 237 strikeouts at a 2880 RA. And like the peripherals are amazing. Like this guy was one of the best overall pitchers in baseball. Now he's 29 and especially helps that he's left handed. And we can't forget, like, this isn't a Carlos Rodon who's drafted in the 18th round and is like a cool story. This guy was drafted third overall. By your Chicago White Sox. This guy was a dude at North Carolina State, at NC State. Like they were saying that that slider is one of the best left handed sliders they've ever seen in college. He's 6'3, 245. He's got prototypical size. Like I'd give this guy a literal bag. I love him. I would give him a, I would give him a sack of money, close to 200 million. I don't think that's that outlandish. I think, yeah. for example, like I'd rather have him than Gosman, I'd rather have him than Ray. This yeah. is a number one pitcher. This is not a two. This is an ace in he my eyes. An, he is an ace. And my thing is like, I, I just have to come to grips with an ace is five for 150. 
or more? What if it's six for 180? Because at the end of the day, he's he's Fuck. he's 29. To Grom signed a five-year deal at 34 with an option for a sixth. Why couldn't Rodon get a six, seven-year deal at 30 million per? Like how much, who do you think throws more innings next year, Rodon or DeGrom? Um, Rodon. Okay. And Rodon's at a 2880 RA. Like he is, a, like, I don't, I feel like people, and I'm not saying you, and I just like, when we talk about numbers, it's surprising, but it's like, we're not giving Rodon the credit that he deserves. Right. And I think, I think the world of this guy. And the peripherals look great. The stuff is phenomenal. He's just got that freaking bravado on the mound. And if he's healthy, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone gave him seven years for 210, even six for oh 180. I wouldn't be no, shocked one bit. Seven for 210 is not happening. It's not. Maybe not, but like you're getting him from age 30 to 37. It's not outlandish. You're just if signing Carlos Rodan, from age 34 to 39. If Rodon signs seven for 210, I'll let you punch me in the face as hard as you can. But I don't want to punch you in the face. Yeah, you do. You I just want, want you to say that I'm right. I just want you to say that I'm right. I'd just, much rather I, but just I say, don't Peter, think you're, you're right. right. If I say that you're wrong, do you yeah. want to punch me in the face now? <laughs> I think six for 180 is much more likely than seven for 110. I'm more saying like what I'd be comfortable giving him based on what I've seen. I think six for 180 is well within reach here for Rodon and it could be the Yankees it could be the Rangers um I would say that those two teams are yeah Baltimore wouldn't be shocked about them either that that's what um also White Sox get picked number one (laughs) Pirates got the number one overall pick Pirates got the number one overall pick that's awesome from Jeff Passan we're just getting all these things live it's uh Pittsburgh number one Nationals number two Tigers number three Rangers number four Twins, number five. Oakland, number six. Cincinnati, number seven. Kansas City Royals, number eight. Colorado Rockies, number nine. And the Miami Marlins, number 10. Dylan Cruz. Um, The Minnesota made the biggest move. Minnesota made the biggest move from outside the lottery to the fifth overall pick. Kind of cool. Wow. Dylan Cruz, you are a Pittsburgh Pirate. Good shit. Yeah, dude. That is the cruise missile. That dude's going to be crazy. Uh, Dude, you have... O'Neill Cruz and Dylan Cruz, different spellings. That's awesome. And hey, shout out the Washington Nationals. They cannot screw up Chase Dolander, the the right-hander from Tennessee. That should be the first pitcher off the board. He's disgusting. So you've got Cruz likely going to Pittsburgh, uh, and then you've got Dolander going to either Washington, Detroit, or Texas. That's awesome. I'm very in on that. Yeah, you got Max Clark, kid in high school. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Indy's finest, Max Clark. Um, yeah, I was asking um, actually a scout today, and they were like, it's just hard to find guys who move like him. Yeah, And I, like they were just glowing about him. And I was like, do you think it makes uh, – are you enthralled by the uh, his editing team? Because <laughs> I was like, the guy has incredible editors. And they're like, yeah, you watch this kid in person. And like it's funny to make that joke, but he just moves. Like he's just like you can't find high schoolers who move like that. And I was like, okay, it's interesting. Could be amazing. Or and, I don't know. It's, it's fair. Like I watched him play live. They were playing. Um, they were playing at at Victory Field, the home of the Indians, while we had a road game, and I was calling it remotely. And I, I watched him play, and the the way that that like he is he operates at a breakneck speed. It's crazy, and the swing is good, and it's powerful, and it's tight. But the way he gets out of the box, like his speed is jaw dropping on a baseball yeah. field. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's great. I I think that. 
they're very loaded at the top. And I think that any of the top three, top four picks are going to get an absolute stud this year. I think this crop is really good. So any other um, free agent things you got to hit before we wrap? Yeah, just want to break down the Hanniger deal real quick. $6 million signing bonus, $5 million salary next year, $17 million salary in 2024, $15 million salary 2025, but he's got an opt-out after 2024, and he's got a million bonus if traded. Another name that's just been floated around everywhere, and like the Cubs are in on this guy too. Like That's why I was like, the Cubs, it's all Cubs, because they're in on Sean Murphy. Like That's a guy... And the A's, according to Ken Rosenthal, are actually looking for major league players rather than prospects. And I was hearing that the Braves, you know, I think there was a lot of noise about possibly including like Darno and William Contreras because the A's are looking for big leaguers, which is funny. Um, but Sean Murphy um, and Wilson Contreras is also being heavily linked to the Cardinals. Um, those two teams are really active in the catching market. Um, I haven't heard much about the Guardians, which is funny because. I really thought the Guardians were going to make this move, but it's been mostly Cubs and Cardinals for Wilson Contreras and um, Sean Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Yeah, that's all I got for you. That's all I got for you. Um, Blue Jays, very active. Okay. That's all I hear, but then they never actually do anything. So I, all I hear is that they're active. Blue Jays, active. Don't know what they're actually doing, though. There we go. That means Gabby Moreno's on a different team tomorrow. Yeah, or Danny Jansen. Or uh, yeah, that's Danny, more likely. Danny Jansen's the likely one. I think Danny Jansen. Um, I I think Danny Jansen would make a lot of sense with the Cubs or the White Sox. So, uh, shout out Danny Jansen, man, and, and shout out Peter Apple. Keep killing it at the winter meetings. So much fun here. So much fun. Wish you were here, dude. You'd love. love yeah, it. I know. It's, it's a blast. At some point, what's, what's crazy is like you just walk through the lobby. Like I can't reiterate this more. Like you just see every single step, it's someone you've seen on TV or players. Like they're all there and everyone's just talking in suits and everyone's hanging out and it's it's an incredible atmosphere to be at. Yeah. No doubt about it. And here in San Diego. There we go, man. All right. Uh we will talk to you tomorrow. Good conversation coming tomorrow. We got a couple of uh interviews coming. We've got Xavier Scruggs coming. Dude has been balling out on the Twittersphere. Um, so Scruggs is joining us for tomorrow's episode. And then we got Taylor Davis uh, on Friday to talk about uh, the winter meetings and, and what's to come um, on the Just Baseball front as well. So exciting shit. And with that, thank you, everybody. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.